You're listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church of Van Walsteen. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. If you'll take your Bibles and join me in the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 2 is where we will be. While you're finding your place there, uh, let me just say a quick word about um, what a historic week uh, last week was, last Sunday, uh, as our church family gathered in a members meeting last Sunday evening and uh, voted unanimously to move forward with our uh, building program, our future home on Colin McKinney Parkway. And if you're not familiar with the Joshua Project, I would encourage you to stop by the display over here. Um, God has done some miraculous things in bringing us to this point. Uh, I know some of you uh, sitting here in the room, maybe watching online, because uh, I know some of you are away, uh, but uh, I doubted if this time would ever come. Uh, how long, how much longer will we just be talking about a new building, about a new home? Well, it's about to become a reality, and so we'll be scheduling very soon a groundbreaking ceremony, and uh, you'll start seeing some activity over on Colin McKinney Parkway. Um, and so if you have a, uh, a four-wheel drive or a Jeep or something, you might want to drive down uh, what was Cartwright Road over there, and you can uh, see, see what's happening. I think there's corn on that 20 acres right now, and so hopefully that's going to get harvested real soon or it's going to get trampled. Uh, but anyway, uh, we are just so thrilled with what God is doing in the life of his church here, and I hope that uh, you will jump on board if you haven't already made the decision to do that. Uh, God has been so gracious to us as a church family. And, uh, and so be in prayer. Be in prayer for the details. Um, we're on a pretty tight construction schedule. Uh, our contractors are telling us that it's a 10 to 12 month project, um, which will bump up pretty closely to uh, the fall of 23 when uh, we intend to open our Lionheart Academy and uh, get our occupancy and all that to be able to worship uh, over in our new home. So pray for all the details of that. Well, here on Sunday mornings, we are looking uh, at the wisdom of the book of Proverbs uh, this summer. We're uh, looking primarily at the speeches or the appeals from a father to his son found in chapters 1 through 8. Uh, I mentioned last week that these appeals, they come to us in poetic form and they lay out the, the themes or the clusters that appear throughout the Proverbs uh, proper that come in later chapters. The sayings uh, is, is quite literally what they are. And so, again, the dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to make good judgments based on what you have learned from experience. Uh, we've expanded that definition, uh, I think, in a significant way to say this. Biblical wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. To see life from God's perspective. We've already said this, scripture, in Scripture, wisdom is not a thing, but a person. Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said this, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So to pursue wisdom is to pursue Jesus Christ to know him in a more personal, intimate way, to become like him. We, uh, in theological terms, call that sanctification, the process by which I am becoming more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Hopefully, if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for any length of time at all, you are growing in wisdom. 
And the reason you're growing in wisdom is because you're growing in Christ-likeness. And hopefully you can see that you are not what you once were. By the grace of God, you are striving to be all that he wants you to be. And so that means we are pursuing wisdom. Last week in the last half of chapter 1, we saw that we can choose either the path of wisdom, which is characterized by the fear of the Lord, or the path of folly, which entails a rejection of God's ways. And we see that picture, that image, really throughout Scripture in many ways. This image of two paths, two uh, two choices, you might say. And this, the, the first paternal appeal that we looked at last week is a warning against those who promise profit by taking sinful advantage of others. Uh, trying to get an easy buck and doing so at the expense of your integrity and your morals and your ethics and those kinds of things. And so while that foolish path, uh, he's telling his son here, may offer some appealing things, The father concludes his warning there in the last half of of chapter uh, 1 by pointing out that accumulating wealth through greed and dishonest means takes away the life of its possessors. I I think of the text that says, what a shame it would be to gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Uh, And so that's a a stern warning here in Proverbs chapter 1. The opening chapters of Proverbs issue a clear uh, invitation to pursue, to seek after, to obtain wisdom. In fact, it makes clear that seeking wisdom is the essence of wisdom. I think a lot of times we view certain things uh, in Scripture as, as optional, as if God has laid out some sort of a uh, religious buffet and so we walk down the line like some of us can remember doing back in the day when buffets and, and cafeterias. I, I used to, I grew up eating at Wyatt's Cafeteria years ago. And there's Luby's and all those places. And, and you go through there and you can pick and choose what you want. And you can leave the things that you don't want, like collard greens and stuff like that. I was like, I don't want that. I, I want this. I want chicken fried steak, please, with gravy. And Amen. Um, that's a good place for an amen right there, right? Um, so wisdom is not like some optional part of the Christian life. I think sometimes that's how we treat it. It's like, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll seek wisdom. I'll pursue wisdom when I'm really in a pinch or I'm in a bind. So I'll, I'll run to the Bible as needed, as necessary. And that's sometimes how, um, you know, medication is prescribed. Take to whatever, you know, whatever the, the dosage is, whatever as needed. I think that's sometimes how we view things like wisdom. And so again, that first paternal appeal speaks to greed and following that path that leads ultimately to destruction. And so no matter how diligently we may apply ourselves, no matter uh, how, uh, how uh, determined we are, uh, we are incapable of, in and of ourselves, laying hold of the wisdom that we so desperately need. And because that is true, Scripture makes it clear, God gives it to us. Again, we're told, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God. Let him ask of God. So chapter 2, as we turn our attention there, is really like one long conditional sentence. I don't know if you look at it in your English Bibles, grammatically, it's not just one big long run-on sentence, but it kind of reads that way, and it has this if clause kind of concept to it. It's set out in verses 1 through 4 especially, and it stresses the need to seek diligently after wisdom. 
And then he tells us those who do will understand the fear of the Lord and thereby understand God's ways in verses 5 through 8. And then in the the last part of the chapter, verses 9 through 22, we see how wisdom benefits those who find it. And so uh, this morning's message is entitled, The Wise Seek Wisdom. I know you've all seen it around Christmas time. You'll see someone's front yard display or whatever, and it'll say what? Wise men still seek him. We're talking about... It's a reference to the, the Magi who came to visit the Christ child there in Bethlehem. Well, uh, that is true 365 days a year. The wise still seek him, seek to know him better, seek to grow in Christ-likeness. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's look together at uh, the entirety of Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 22. I hope that you'll follow along uh, as I read this morning. He says, my son, if... There's that if clause. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then, there's the then part of the if clause, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. You continue to see the language of these two two paths. The way. You'll understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path, it says in verse 9. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Again, a picture of those two paths. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked And who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. On May the 11th, 1849, there was a gentleman by the name of S. Schufelt. I, I couldn't find his first name, just the first initial, so we'll call him Mr. Schufelt. He left New York City aboard uh, the ship named Panama, heading for the beautiful San Francisco Bay in search of gold. You see, a year earlier, uh, James Wilson Marshall discovered gold in a river near present-day Sacramento, California. And so that discovery uh, had spread across the country, sparking the great California gold rush of the 1850s. Mr. Schufelt was one of about 200 men who left their families and friends in search of gold on the other coast. Mr. Schufelt departed New York City, leaving behind his wife and a newborn child. He told his cousin of his motivation for leaving, no doubt a similar motivation to many who made that same voyage. He said this, he said, I have left those that I love as my own life behind, 
and risked everything and endured many hardships to get here. I want to make enough to live easier and do some good with before I return. On his hunt for gold, Shufelt endured hunger and natural disaster, the death of several friends, and came very near death himself. Now, history doesn't record for us whether Mr. Shufelt struck it rich, made enough to live easy and do good as he so desired, or if he ever even made it back to his wife and his newborn child. What we do know was that he was willing to endure a three-month difficult voyage at sea and many hardships in pursuit of gold. Regardless of whether we appreciate that motivation uh, for going, we cannot fault his determination and his willingness to suffer to accomplish his goal. And yet I want you to listen carefully to Proverbs 16, 16. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So first I want us to consider as we look at this second chapter of Proverbs, the wisdom of pursuit. The wisdom of pursuit. So the beginning of our quest for wisdom is to first realize our need for it. We need help, but we will never pursue wisdom like we should unless we know we need it. In fact, you're in a pretty dangerous place if you've reached a point where you feel like you really don't need any more wisdom. And we've all probably gone through a stage of life where we kind of felt like we had the world by the tail. We had all the answers, right? Man, you're going to go out and just set the world afire. Then the more we matured and the more we lived life a bit, we realized how little we actually knew. I mean, the, the story is common of people who uh, left home frustrated, mad, angry at how absolutely uh, stupid their parents were, only to discover a few years later that uh, parents are a little smarter than I really thought they were. It's because we all need wisdom. No matter how long you've lived, you still need wisdom. You ever noticed that the intensity with which we search for something that is lost is directly linked to its value. I mean, I've lost plenty of things over the course of my life. But I, I, the, the intensity with which I will search for something that is lost is linked directly to its value. So I, I'm old enough, obviously, um, to have lived before we had cell phones. We all had these devices attached to us. It seemed like everywhere we went. Uh, and so, in fact, I remember when they first became at least somewhat affordable. And I told my secretary at the time, I was already my first pastor, I said, I am not getting one of those things because I, you'll be able to reach me everywhere I am. You know, and all the, I, that's all I could see is myself tethered to this phone, you know, and so, but then one day I went uh, probably 30 miles out of the way uh, to make a hospital visit that I didn't actually need to make because there was no way for the secretary to reach me to let me know that that person had already been, uh, you know, discharged and gone home. And so it was at that point that I realized, eh, maybe this won't be such a bad idea, you know, and I, so I took the dive and got my brick, you know, at the time, I think it was, whatever, um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting how those devices have changed the way that we live. 
And so here's one of the weird dynamics about owning a cell phone, and I don't think I'm the only one who's experienced this. Have you ever been somewhere and suddenly couldn't find your cell phone? What does that do to you? You're just like, oh my goodness. I mean, it's like, because first of all, they're, they're stupid expensive, right? And then they contain so much information. I mean, important information about photos that you've taken and all this kind of stuff. And so immediately you like go into a panic mode. Like, surely I didn't lose this thing. The reason for that is because it holds some measure of value to you. Like you could lose any number of things and you wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same effect on you. And so if we don't understand the value of wisdom, then we're certainly not going to seek after it. Again, if we view it as something optional that God kind of throws out there and says, if you need a little of this, let me know. I mean, that's not how this works. So do you see God's wisdom as valuable? Solomon begins his second mini-sermon to his son here at the beginning of Proverbs 2, and I want you to listen to how often he uses the word if. Look at the text again. If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments, making your ear attentive. He goes on in verse 3 and say, if you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures, then, then you will understand and, and the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I, I wonder, do we view wisdom... In our pursuit of knowing the very personification of wisdom, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, in the same way that Mr. Schufelt viewed gold, willing to risk even his life, to leave those that he loved the most in pursuit of something that only has eternal value, or only has earthly value. We're talking about something that has eternal value here. I think that's where we, we get mixed up many times, is, is we don't know how to, how to value things. If we understood the value of wisdom, then I think we would commit ourselves to a passionate pursuit of it. That's the wisdom of pursuit. There are two competing calls laid out in Proverbs that we see over and over again. The call of the wise and the call of the foolish. Remember last week, in that first sermon to his son, he said, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't go that way. That path may look appealing that path may look like it's going to add value to your life, but ultimately it leads to your destruction. Don't go there. So the natural current of our world, it flows toward folly. So we have to be diligent to swim upstream towards wisdom. There are so many resources available to help us set our hearts on wisdom. I said, I said in the, the first message in this series, the, the reason that we lack wisdom is not because we lack information. God has given us his word. It is a treasure trove of wisdom. And I'm always baffled when people come to me and say, like, Pastor, I really need wisdom in this particular area. And I ask them, so like, how often are you reading your Bible? Well, I'm like, man, it's like a gold mine of wisdom. And while I understand it's not going to speak explicitly to every single situation or decision you have to make, certainly the wisdom that you will need to make a godly and wise decision in those cases is there. If you don't learn anything else in this series of messages, hopefully you learn that God cares about every area of our lives because in the book of Proverbs, you will find wisdom for virtually every area of your life, whether it's your marriage, your relationships with your, your children, your relationships with your parents, your relationships with your coworkers, how to earn money, how to save money, how to spend money, how to all of those things. 
It's all right here. But are you really seeking after wisdom? And while there are all these resources out there, and many of them biblically based that will drive us to Scripture and all of those things, we cannot forsake the basic and most powerful resource that God has given us for wisdom, and it's His Word. It's His Word. I just personally started a new Scripture memory program. I, this is one area where I've, I've struggled mightily over the course of my Christian journey. I, um, I've tried different things, and I came across this uh, little, it's called the Bible Memory Project. If you want to look it up, I, that's not an advertisement. I don't get commission or anything like that. But basically what they do is they send you a little, it's a subscription-based thing. It's like eight bucks a month. They send you these four, I've never been much of a bracelet guy, but they send you these little rubber bands, right? And if you look at this thing, you'll be like, what in the world is that? Because what it is, it's the first letter of every word in the verse of Scripture that I'm currently memorizing. So I'm, I'm working on Psalm chapter 40, verse number 10. Okay, it starts with saying, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. Okay, now to just look at this, it makes zero sense to you. But I found it really helpful because it stays before me. It's a constant reminder to me when I'm doing things. I mean, to, 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 to commit God's word to my heart, to memory, to, to internalize it. And hopefully, as I do that, I, not hopefully, I know God will be faithful to continue to conform me to the image of his son. And they give you different tools to help you do that. And so how are you pursuing wisdom? D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, was given a Bible by his mother years and years ago, of course, which was inscribed with Matthew 6.33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And she inscribed in there another warning that said, this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. Proverbs 2 was written in a way that it could be memorized in the original language. This is actually an acrostic um, chapter. That's why there are 22 verses in our English Bibles. They correspond to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. I'm not suggesting that you need to learn Hebrew in order to memorize uh, Proverbs chapter 2. The idea is that the listener, the reader, would saturate themselves in the Word of God. We will pursue God's Word when we realize the incredible value that is found there and when we realize we need it. Understand our desperate need for wisdom and give all that you have to attain it. Now, I, I marvel at the number of things that people will commit themselves to pursuing. I know you've seen it. You've probably seen it in your own life. That's why I say this. I, if I've learned anything over the last 30-some years of pastoral ministry, it's that fundamentally people will do what they really want to do. If I had a dollar for every excuse that people have given me for why they can't attend church or why they can't be involved in church, or want all those different things, people will ultimately do what they really want to do. And we're going to revisit this in a moment, but it comes down to this. Your passions determine your priorities, and your priorities determine your path. What you are the most passionate about, what you love the most, will determine your priorities. And your priorities ultimately determine your path. So if you're talking about these two paths, the reason he so sternly warned his son in chapter 1 last week is because he knew if you're passionate about getting more stuff, that's one of your chief passions, that's one of your chief aim, is to, to can't get all you can and can all you get, then that, that's what you're going to prioritize, getting more stuff. 
And that, that ultimately will determine your path. That's what you'll commit your time to, your energy to, your resources to, all of those things. And if you're not really careful, you'll, you'll notice that what you're actually pursuing is something that only has earthly value and no eternal value. So the wisdom of pursuit, what are you really pursuing? I want you to notice, secondly, the wisdom of listening. The wisdom of listening. Life is more than listening, but it is not less than listening. Solomon continues with this exhortation to his son to listen to his words. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I, I can't think of a time where I got myself in trouble because I just listened too much. Now, I can make a lengthy list of times that I got myself in trouble because I talked too much. When I opened my mouth when I shouldn't have. And someone very simply described it this way. The reason God gave us twice as many ears as he did mouths is because he intends for us to listen twice as much as he intends for us to talk. So listening is important. It's not always easy because listening takes humility. Listening begins with a posture that says, I need to hear what you have to say. Most importantly, as it relates to, to, to who the Lord Jesus Christ is, but I think even with those around us, one of the things that is alarming to me today are people who even would share my values, my, my biblical, all of those things, how we're just not willing to listen to other people. And that tells me that you're probably not as firm in your convictions as you think you are. Because you refuse to even engage in a conversation with someone with whom you disagree. Okay? And you can do that, by the way, in a Christ-like way. Okay? I, someone very wise. And there's not just a whole lot of wisdom on, on social media, but the other day I did see one that said this. A, a, lot, of, a lot of Christians uh, would see people uh, come to know the Lord if they would just quit being a jerk. I mean, that doesn't sound deeply theological or anything, but there's some truth in that. Okay, the Bible makes it clear that the gospel is an offense. Think about it. The gospel itself, the gospel message that you can't save yourself, I can't save myself. I, even on my best day, I can't be good enough. And so I need a savior, one who died in my place. That's offensive to man's pride because it says no matter how hard you try, you can't do it on your own. And so in humility, you've got to turn from your self-righteousness and your sin to faith in another, the only one who is qualified to pay that debt that you owe. That's going to be offensive. But we don't have to present the gospel in an offensive way. What I find today is, is too many people with an unwillingness to just listen, just listen to a differing viewpoint and then engage in conversation and present your point as best you can in a winsome way and in a way that would, would honor the Lord ultimately. We must listen to wisdom and then Walk in that wisdom. Now I would tell you this. I think the, the, the great enemy of listening today is busyness and the clutter of the mind. Again, I mentioned two weeks ago when we started this series, we do not lack wisdom because we lack information. We have more information at our fingertips than we ever have before. And so there are all these competing worldviews and philosophies and all of these different things that you, I mean, just constantly, just, there's just this flood of it. So we've got, it's not because we lack information. It's because we've got to make sure, what is it that I'm listening to? And do I have discernment in my listening? 
But the great enemy of that is just this clutter of the mind. Don Whitney, one of my favorite authors, he writes in his book, Spiritual Disciplines. He says, one of the greatest costs of technological advancement is a greater temptation to avoid quietness. And by quietness, I don't think he means sitting over in the corner on your device. I think he's talking about a quietness of the mind. And so if you just, just kind of, in many ways, mindlessly just scroll for hours upon hours, your, your mind's going to be cluttered. And so as our society advances with new technologies, we have to be careful to guard our hearts and our minds. Technology has given us access to, to much more time, supposedly. It takes a fraction of the time to, to complete tasks today that it did, than it did years ago. We don't have to take a three-month journey on a boat like, uh, uh, like our illustration exhibited to get across the country. It's like a six-hour flight now, right? We don't have to wash our clothes or our dishes by hand. We have machines that do that for us. And yet with all the additional time that technology can save us, we still find ourselves running crazy, busy lives. Too busy many times to just stop and listen. And I'm going to tell you, this hits me between the eyes. Because when you're a pastor many times, you adopt this phenomenon, I guess, that we call the Messiah of the moment. And I can remember, especially early in ministry, responding to a crisis that maybe a family was going through. Maybe it was a medical diagnosis and, and things didn't look good. Or maybe it was a family that was just blowing apart and, and things of that. And as I'm driving to the hospital or I'm driving to that home or, or preparing for that, that meeting, I'm finding myself, i got to find just the right things to say. What, what do I say to these people? It would be awkward for me and it would just it made me sweat. Like I just, I've got you know, to have exactly the right, that's what they expect of me. And and I started realizing, you know what they need more than to hear me say something? They, they need me to just listen many times. And if I'm going to say anything, I'm going I'm to direct them to the wisdom of God's word, to Scripture itself. So there's wisdom in listening. I want you to notice thirdly this morning, the wisdom of discernment. He speaks about it here. I don't know about you, but I, I daily find myself in need of discernment. Discernment. There's so many voices today, so many viewpoints, so many opinions, so many, all those things. And I pray that our study of Proverbs will make us more aware of the importance of God's wisdom. A wisdom that leads to godly discernment. And again, God's word is relevant for every area of our lives. So whatever the situation may be, whatever the dilemma may be, all those things, I pray that you see God's word applied to those different practical areas of your life. You'll be able to approach the world with God's wisdom on your mind and be able to readily identify foolishness. Now, some of it's a little more easily identified. I see some stuff out there, and I just I shake in my head. I'm like, that is utter foolishness right there. Unfortunately, some of it's being spewed by people who call themselves Christians. And check this out, even Baptists. We got some foolish friends out there, I'm telling you. So we need discernment. And so I, I, all the treasures of wisdom, knowledge, are found in the person of Jesus Christ. To pursue wisdom is to pursue Christ-likeness, to pursue Jesus Christ. And as we face this world living out our daily lives, we should always be thinking, how can I know Jesus and make him known? 
We live for the glory of Jesus Christ. So Proverbs doesn't just help us have better friendships and manage our money, but to display the glory of Jesus Christ through a life that has been transformed by his wisdom. And we've all at one time or another lived as fools. We've followed our own way. We've experienced the harsh reality of our own sinfulness. And in the solitude of our own hearts, we know our consciences condemn us for our folly. But thanks be to God that while we are fools, God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for us. And Jesus willingly laid down his life to pay for our sin. And after he died for our sins, God raised him from the dead, accepting the payment in full, publicly declaring his lordship over death and the grave. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So I pray that you understand the wisdom of discernment. You look at things today, you look at these differing views, these differing opinions, two sides. And it seems like here in America, particularly about the time uh, one of these hot issues kind of simmers down a little bit and everybody's kind of got their senses about them, or at least you think they do, man, here comes another issue. And the next thing you know, we're just, you know, firing shots fired. I mean, it's just like this constant, I'm just, it's, it's soul crushing, it's wearying. That's where we need discernment. And I want you to notice finally the wisdom of priorities. We should guard our hearts by avoiding the deceptive philosophies of the world. But I don't think that's the only way to walk in wisdom. I think the most effective way is to prioritize wisdom above all else. To prioritize wisdom above all else. Again, notice what he says here. My son, if you receive my words... So he's not just talking about hearing something in an auditory sort of way. He's saying, and you treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. It's got to be a priority. If you call out for insight, raise your voice for understanding. Seek it like silver. Search for it as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge. Think there, wisdom of God. How do you do that? We don't want to just be wise so that we can win an argument, come off as smarter than everybody else. We want to love wisdom itself, who again is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to delight ourselves in the Lord and have his knowledge be pleasant to our soul. But is that your priority? Because as I said earlier, your passions determine your priorities, and your priorities determine your path. That's why Scripture continually says, even here in Proverbs, especially in Proverbs, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Be careful what you fall in love with. Be careful what you become passionate about. Because the more that passion grows, the, the, the more you're going to be determined to, to prioritize that. And the more you prioritize those things, ultimately that's going to determine the path that you choose. You ever just wonder what makes people do the things they do? Sometimes you just go, well, that was dumb. It's because at some point they, they, they prioritize something that they shouldn't have. They put it above other things that have eternal value. 
I'm kind of a, uh, a gadget guy. Um, one of the things that I was skeptical about a few years ago when they, when they came out with the AirPods, right? Um, I had, I, when I was younger, I traveled quite a bit more. I flew to different parts of the country and even um, to other parts of the world um, a few times to preach at conventions and things of that nature. And so I invested in a, in a, a pair of headphones that had this noise cancellation feature. And they're like these huge, you know, that are now becoming more popular, it seems. I see kids wearing them more and more, all the cool kids anyway. Um, and then when, when the AirPods came out, I was a little skeptical at first. I thought, those things look ridiculous. I mean, I, you'd look at somebody and go, are those earrings you're wearing, dude? Or what, I mean, what, you know. And, but then I realized, like, this, this newer version of the AirPods have noise cancellation. And for as small as they are, it's pretty remarkable how that works. Okay, and there's some different features in there where you can get more noise cancellation or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's kind of the way I think of the world in which we live. And the reason that I would use that noise cancellation feature is because I want to really be able to focus on what I want to be listening to. Okay, so some of you know my journey. It was a few years ago that I set this pretty aggressive goal to walk like 1,200 miles in a year. Like it was in 2019, going into 2020 with the pandemic and all that stuff. And the reason I set that goal, such an aggressive goal, was because I knew that if I didn't make it a priority, um, uh, then I wouldn't reach the goal. I mean, you set a, a goal to walk 1,200 miles in a year, you can't take a lot of days off. Like, you can't, well, I'm just not feeling it today. You do that very many times, you ain't going to get 1,200, okay? If you only walk when the weather is great, you're not going to reach 1,200. Um, if you only walk when it's convenient, you're just not going to reach that goal. Uh, and so, I, but I tried to, uh, at the same time, I wanted to, to capture that time for more than just walking and getting the physical benefit of walking. And so that's when I invested in a pair of these crazy AirPods, and I use them every single day. And so I would listen to scripture, and I would listen to worship music, and I would listen to podcasts that were edifying, and, and, and listen to preaching, and those kinds of things. And that's the kind of stuff I wanted going into my mind, and into my heart, and I wanted to be edified in those ways. And it really helps when you can, when you can shut out some of the noise of the world, because, again, there's a lot of voices out there, a lot of voices demanding our attention. So we need wisdom and discernment to know how to, how to, how to shut out the noise of the world and just listen to the one who is most important. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. You need wisdom? I suspect you do. It begins with a passionate pursuit of listening to him listening to him and following passionately after him is the priority of your life. So if in these final few moments we could bow our heads and close our eyes. This is a time each week when I ask you to make a decision. When I say that, I don't mean I'm asking you to make a decision public necessarily. Um, But I'm asking you to make a decision on what you will do with what God has said to us today through his word and by his Holy Spirit. It may be that you're here today and you would say, Pastor, maybe you're watching online, you would say, Pastor, I, I'm not even sure about where I am in my relationship with God. I'm, I'm searching, I'm seeking, I'm, I'm trying, I'm striving, I'm hoping that 
maybe somehow, some way, I can manage to be good enough that when my life on this earth is over, God will invite me into his heaven. <laughs> but I got to tell you today, the Bible makes it clear that that's a bad plan. Because it very clearly says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so until you have turned from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ, you can't be in a right relationship with God. You can't be at peace with God, so you'll seldom understand the peace of God. There may be others who would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm one who has turned from my sin to faith in Jesus Christ. My testimony is that of a Christ follower, but I can't truthfully say today that I am passionately pursuing my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that I can grow in Christ-likeness, so I can grow in wisdom. I've got some messed up priorities. I'm far more committed to other things Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Those other things will be added to you. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you have given us the very source of wisdom itself in the written word and in the person of the word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we acknowledge today that we so desperately need wisdom. We need to see life from your perspective. We need the ability and the discernment to weed through the voices of our world. So that above all else, we are passionately pursuing you and your wisdom. Lord, help us to do just that. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.